Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of Desert Island Dishes with me, Margie Broadhead. My castaway this week is Giovanna Ryan. Giovanna was runner-up on this year's MasterChef. I am a huge fan of MasterChef. I absolutely love it. So it was great to meet Giovanna and get some of the inside goss on behind the scenes on MasterChef. Since MasterChef, Giovanna has set up a supper club and events company called Three Girls Cook with two other fellow contestants, which is really cool. And it was genuinely just lovely to chat to her and hear all about her food-filled adventures and her desert island dishes. I went on holiday to Spain last week to see my dad, which was amazing, but I came back with a cold, which is so annoying. So I apologize if I sound a bit bunged up. I promise I will have bounced back by next week. Anyway, enough waffling. Here is Giovanna's Desert Island Dishes. Hi, Giovanna. Hi there. <laughs> welcome to Desert Island Dishes. Thank you very much for having me. You're very welcome. So MasterChef is one of my all-time favourite programmes. I absolutely love watching it and I have loads of questions for you. <laughs> <laughs> but to get started, what was life like before MasterChef? What were you up to? So before MasterChef, I was working as, I worked as an actor for about six years. Amazing. So I did a music degree, then I was like, well, I probably think I want to an actor so yeah. I went and did a postgrad in musical theatre and I worked as an actor for about six years doing sort of like big tours and lots of different stuff and then I decided that actually that wasn't very sustainable okay yeah <laughs> like financially like life yeah so I decided to stop doing that and I became a teacher I became a teacher I became a musical theatre teacher Amazing. which I still do I do three days a week teaching this really great school in near Barbican which is sort of like a, a vocational stage school so I teach kids that sounds awesome theatre and singing. So what made you decide to apply to MasterChef? I actually applied to MasterChef when I was still acting and then it all got very complicated because I started work and then I had MasterChef. But basically, I love being an actor, but surprisingly, it's not very creative, actually. Oh. Because you sort of lose your creativity a bit when you're being told exactly where to stand and, and doing exactly the same thing every single day Yeah, for, like, years. It's so interesting how sometimes the most creative-sounding jobs actually aren't because of exactly what you've said. So I was looking for something like really creative and I love food and I love cooking and I've always loved it and, and I've kind of like toyed around with doing it for years and because I was an actor I could never guarantee that I'd be free or like I wouldn't be able to, it, was, it would have been too difficult. So I <laughs> decided to apply and then I was like I'll just see how it goes and then I didn't think I'd get on so I like accepted all these teaching jobs and then I got a master chef and I was like oh dear. <laughs> well a good conundrum yeah. to have. I read that you come from a really foodie family and that your mum is a great cook so that seems a good time to ask you your first desert island dish of the day which is the dish that most reminds you of your childhood. My family are big Italians but we still always had roast chicken on a Sunday pretty much every Sunday. Yes. That was the way we never really had beef. I don't know why. For some chicken. reason, it was always chicken. And my mum made this amazing stuffing, which has chestnuts. has literally everything in it. It has so many things. It has, like, chestnuts and apples and cashew nuts and sausage meat and kaffir lime leaves. No Ooh. one knows why. <laughs> but for some amazing. reason, it tastes really good. And we always had it with salad, which people find really odd. And I never thought it was odd until I sort of, like, went to university and, and I was like, should we have salad with the rice? And they were like, you're so insane. Instead of roast potatoes, you'd have No, salad. no, we'd have, we'd have roast potatoes, but we wouldn't have, like... I think it's an Italian thing. I think that's why we, we always, always had salad. Okay, is that, is that an Italian Oh, yeah, because they have salad with everything. Okay, yeah, I guess that's true. And I always never thought it was weird. <laughs> and then I got to I love things like that. Yeah, like, just, 
It's just what's what wrong with family you? does. And what, so you'd have the full plate, you know, gravy, potatoes, everything, and then you have salad on the side. Yeah. Oh, okay. I like it. But, but <laughs> yeah, the stuffing was the thing that we yeah. really remember. And I've never been able to recreate it. Do you try? Yeah, I, I just don't know why. I don't know why I got One of those things that just tastes better when your mum yeah. makes it. So, back to MasterChef. You decided to apply, but what does that actually look like? How did you become a contestant? So, it's it's not, like, the most daunting like application process really okay. you've got applications are now open oh by the way <laughs> if you want to i can highly recommend Giovanna, it the spokeswoman. yeah <laughs> the, you have an application form which is quite involved there's quite a lot it's lots of questions sort of like who your biggest food influences what's your favorite thing to cook like what, what do you think like, you know the things you'd expect to yeah. be asked and then if they think you're interesting enough <laughs> or seem to like like food enough yeah which obviously I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the producers will give you a call. So they'll give you a call and you have a little chat again about various things. And they ask you some quite... They ask you some quite odd things that you think, actually, why? And you realise why. So things they always like, how many people do you live with? Ooh. And you realise why that is. Because if you were living with anyone apart from, like, a partner or, like, a, another person or a couple of people, you would never be able to do it because you literally live in the kitchen when oh, you're doing see. it. Oh, I and see. so if you were sharing That's with someone... interesting. Anyway, so um, they ask you loads of things about and they just have a more in-depth chat about food and what you like to cook and what you can and can't do and what you want to learn. And then after that, they ask you in for an interview if they want to see you, which is... So you you take something in and it has to be, it has to be called. So you, <gasps> what oh, did you take in? I took rabbit ravioli. Ooh, yum. With... With like peas and sauce and tarragon. How long did it take you to come up with what you were going to take in? I can't really remember. I think I knew I knew you wanted to do pasta. Basically, you have to take it in cold. Okay. Which is kind of on. They say it's fine. You can take it in if it, even if it's meant to be hot. It's fine. But you kind of think like, mm, okay. but I really wanted to take pasta because it's like it's what I cook like it's whole time. Yeah, I think you know, rabbit is really underused. And I think also taking in something like rabbit means like. You're obviously interested in yeah, like, food. If you, if I, if you cooking like a cooking up a rabbit, yeah, <laughs> they definitely. think oh she she knows there's a no, bit about it. There's no scrambled egg on toast, does it? <laughs> no, um, but it was like the hottest day of the. That's what I remember mostly. It was so hot, and I had I had I went on the tube to their studios, which is in like near Camden. I'm back with all these Tupperwares and I was like, this is going to be disgusting when I get here. It was so Sweaty hot. rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> but it was fine. They it liked was fine. it. They liked it. I, you, I just think I just t- talked the entire time. They were like, well, she'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> she just won't stop talking. You want a chatty Cathy. But how did you feel when you found out that you were going to be on it? Like, did the thought of being on TV... Was that something that actually scared you or was it exciting? It was really exciting. I was more worried about how I was going to juggle two different teaching jobs and... <laughs> Yeah. And everything else. Yeah. But no, no, I was really excited. And how long did you have to prepare from when you found out to when you actually got in the kitchen? I think we had about four weeks, three or four weeks. It wasn't that long. And is there, are there things that you can do to prepare? Or is it sort of, you're just waiting? So they give you some some briefs. So they say, prepare a, a dish and then prepare a two-course menu. And they, they, a few things. That, okay. But you don't really know when it's going to come up. You don't know if it's going to come up. I'm such a geek. I, I like, made flashcards and stuff. Oh, my God, I made... Yeah, because I always think that. Like, even really, you know, if you're a chef, seemingly simple things like pastry yeah. or, you know, sponge cake. I suddenly think when I'm watching it, oh, my goodness, I don't know if I was on the spot, if I would just be able to know that. But you've sort of... Yeah, so I was yeah, such a geek. <laughs> make cards, I revised. I think I, rem- I memorised a lot of pastry things, so I memorised a lot of sweet things because they're the, it's like savoury things. You can kind of just work it Definitely. out. But things like, I think, I, what do I memorise? I memorised, like, shoe pastry, normal pastry, creme patissier which I definitely didn't even use. Things like that. Yeah. Ma- um, how to make madeleines. 
yeah really useful yes so that you so i could just like pull them out whenever i needed them that sounds very sensible very sensible giovanna i know that you've been cooking from a very young age but i wondered for your second desert island dish of the day what's the first dish you learned to cook it would definitely be pasta i can i've got photos of me making pasta when i was like probably could have barely stand up oh my god amazing because <laughs> we've always had this like really old pasta machine that was i mean that's not really a dish but it is pasta no, but it would be counts. something like probably pesto i learned to make that pretty early on pasta and pesto yeah yum which is a classic <laughs> university dish but actually it was like we make fresh pasta and then we'd make pesto and well we make pesto in the magimix which is quite a heinous crime if you tell any italian but oh no i didn't realize that i always do what it should I mean, be the pesto and water i mean i definitely yeah. make it in the magimix <laughs> me too <laughs> Um, no time for it. <laughs> what are your top tips for making pasta? I feel like obviously there's a huge art to it, but it is one of those things that people are more scared of than they should be. Oh yeah, it's definitely easy. It's so easy. And and the only thing you have to know is that you have to rest it for half an hour or so, or 20 yeah. minutes. So my the way I do it is, I mean, everyone has their different, different ways of doing it. I make it with a whole egg per 100 grams of double O flour. Okay. And that's basically it. So if you've got 300 grams of flour, three eggs, get it all in mix it all up um if you need any more water which you probably do just wet your hands as you're kneading it and it will incorporate it because the worst thing is like when you you put water and you're like well that's too much i've got to put more flour oh, yeah, no, no, no. Um, yeah and then like it gets a never ending yeah. cycle of <laughs> so if you just wet your hands every time you need to add a bit more water then you need it for you know as long as you can be bothered really if you can't bother to need it you can actually if you let it rest you can put to cut it into chunks put it through the pasta machine fold it in half put it through the pasta machine again put it fold it in half do it about four times it's sort of the equivalent of needing it. Great tip. Love that. You can pick up pasta machines for, like, no money. I used to, My first pasta machine was from Asda. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, that's good to know that Asda are making pasta machines. And that's a great tip. Hopefully lots of people will be making pasta now. Now, just a technical question, but what happens to contestants' jobs and how do contestants keep their jobs and earn money while they're filming? Because are you filming five days a week? So it... It starts off, you know, quite easy. So I think we did three days to begin with. Okay. That was the sort of the first first section. I think it's sort of in in general, it takes about two days to do a whole episode. Oh, that's interesting. Film. Okay. In general. Yeah. Not not always. Like the South Africa episode was obviously like yeah. <laughs> six days, but about a week long. But apart, apart from that, in, usually it takes about two whole days to do um, an episode. So it's quite high volume because there's so many episodes. Yeah. And the further you get, the more you're like, Oh dear. <laughs> well, yeah, and presumably you want to go home and then practice, and I don't know, you're sort of, if you're juggling jobs and all the rest of it. Yeah, it's so difficult. for mine, I just had to, because I was a teacher, because I'm a vocational teacher, I wasn't ideal, but I had to find cover a lot. Okay. So I'd get someone to cover me, but again, it was really difficult because I had to be like, well, I might be able to do it but i don't know could you uh yeah and were the school really like they were fine about that? yeah wasn't the most ideal no <laughs> but excited that they were yeah they, have yeah, they were excited. Yeah, in the, their the other thing is that you're not really meant to tell anyone oh yeah of course so obviously you have to tell people but you you, you have to kind of keep it really really as like a smaller number of people as possible yeah that's so true so i just i just didn't see anyone i had no social life for about five months four four months yeah you just have to cram it all in because you have to practice i'd be practicing like in the middle of the night i'd be good like getting up at like five in the morning to practice stuff you yeah just, you just have to cram it in when you can well yeah and it's a once in a lifetime opportunity so you've just got to make the most of it haven't you the question that everyone wants answered or maybe it's just me but how long is the food how long is it between when the food's prepared and when the judges taste the food it can be quite a long time 
Okay, so what they do is that they you film in real time. So if they say like you've got an hour and a half, you really have an hour and a half, okay. and that's that's it. Yeah. Then they spend a bit of time videoing and and photographing and filming it. Yeah. The dish as it's just been done. So the, all the pictures that you see okay. are all of that when it's just been been filmed. Yeah. And been been cooked. And then yeah, so so you leave that takes some time. So obviously yeah, you know, that's it's that. And then obviously if you're last. Everyone else is, has to be tasted first. Okay, so if you make something like a souffle, it's they film it straight away, and but then when the judges go to eat it, it probably has sunk. But they just like, kind of pretend that it was how it was. Like no one makes souffles because okay. <laughs> for that, that reason, yeah, for that reason. And like things like you can do things like ice cream, but they have to be on a separate plate so that they can be put in the freezer and then brought back out again. Ah, okay. And so interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of... You don't really think about it because you wouldn't think it would ever be an issue. Yeah. But you kind of... When you think about it, you're like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, and then something like fish, it obviously tastes slightly different once it's cooled to one that's warm. So yeah. do, you, do you factor that in and you sort of... You cook for when they're going to taste it or you just cook it and then... I think I think it's... We just... I just cooked for what yeah. I think it should taste you don't like. Want to it. it was just too... It's just too much to take <laughs> on. I didn't leave things to, like, to like rest. They Basically, they're so used to it. John and Greg, like, they've done this for years and years and years. They know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. They know if something tastes good, yeah. even if it's really cold. Yeah, and they know... It would have been perfectly yeah. cooked if they'd eaten it when they were meant yeah. to eat it. Okay. Well, I've always wanted to know that. So your third desert island dish of the day, what's the best dish you've ever eaten? This is a very difficult question. <laughs> a lot of dishes I really associate with, like, the place or people that you're with. I think probably... I don't know, it's really difficult. One of my best dishes definitely was quite recently, actually. I, I turned 30 and a few of my friends and I went to the Manoir Cut Saison, which is Raymond Blanc's restaurant. Yeah, oh my goodness, amazing. Which I've never been there. is very good. I can highly recommend it if, you know, you're feeling... Yeah, you're feeling flush. <laughs> feeling flush. <laughs> but we went and it was a really lovely day. It was beautiful weather. It was um, June and we went, they have this huge vegetable garden and we walked around the vegetable garden. It was absolutely beautiful and full of vegetables and it was like, well, it was just idyllic. We went and had a lovely, lovely dinner and the, the first course was an annulotti with all these amazing garden vegetables and you could just tell that they literally popped from one one end of the garden oh, just back into the restaurant. Amazing. And they, it was just, it was so simple. It was really not in any way complicated. Well, maybe... Maybe it was. Yeah, but, it didn't notice. but, it, <laughs> but that's a sign of yeah, a big dish. It, it seemed completely simple, but it was just really beautiful. Oh, that sounds amazing. What else did you eat? Oh, the, we had this quail dish, which was really, really amazing. I can't exactly remember what was on it. I remember it being very good. Yeah. Risotto, again, which had lots of lo- really lovely vegetables. We had this apricot and pastry, and I'm really not explaining this very well. We had loads of really lovely things. Yeah. <laughs> did you have the tasting menu? Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's so nice to hear because sometimes. You don't know whether places like that actually live up to the hype, but that's good to know that it's amazing. But on the flip side, so probably my other one, if I had to, yeah. I know I don't get to, but if I did, <laughs> my probably my favourite restaurant in London is a restaurant called Naughty Piglets, Ooh. which is actually just down the road from me in Brixton, and it's really great, and they do these ham croquettes, Ooh. which don't really count as a dish no I mean no, but, <laughs> but they are just incredible and I just love the restaurant it's so friendly and really what you want from like a neighborhood restaurant yeah what well, is everything ham-based no, no no although that would be clever oh yeah is that- <laughs> <laughs> no there are French and um, there are a couple who 
they met while they were both working at the manor in Clapham. Oh, okay, yeah. And they've set up Naughty Piglets. They also have now a second one called The Other Naughty Piglet, which is oh, in... Um... Such a cute name, because you said ham croquettes. I, was like, I know, got and it's pig. I was... Theme, yeah. <laughs> no, but I, lo- just, we, I love it. It's a very, very, very good restaurant. That sounds delicious. So for anyone who didn't see you on MasterChef, what was your cooking triumph? That rabbit dish looked amazing. Oh, yeah, the rabbit. Yeah. I, love, I mean, rabbits. Just yeah. like, <laughs> I use it a lot. <laughs> yeah, that was, that's good. And I was quite proud of that because I, so obviously salt and rock is a, a thing. Yeah. It's sort of, it's usually veal and it's, you know, wrapped in palm ham and sage. But I think putting it with rabbits was, you know, that was genuinely my own idea and went down really well. So yeah. that was good. I think also probably the fennel panna cotta was quite... Iconic's the wrong word, but that yeah, kind no, of thing. Yeah, um, it again, it was like a massive risk. I I was really nervous about that, and I remember my dad being like, "What are you doing?" When I told him, he was like, "I don't think you should do that." No, like, that's not what you <laughs> want to hear. Well, I'm it's going like, to. It's like being told the moment, like a week before exams, that it's too late to learn anything else. Yeah, like, no, it's <laughs> not what I want to hear. Yeah, but they went down really well, which I'm really glad about, and I do it all the time now. Oh, that's I make so it nice. like, for so become, many events. Become a staple. Did you have any disasters? And something I've always wondered was how distracting is it when the judges come over and start talking to you when you're already short on time or maybe something's not quite going to plan? Yeah, that's really frustrating. But you you that's you sign up for that. that that's, yeah. That's what... No, it's true. They always say, you know, you've got this amount of time, but you need, you should know that like they will come and talk to you. You have to stop. That's part of it. You have to factor that in. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. I guess, yeah, it is part um, of the deal. So you don't get any extra time for that. I had a couple of disasters, but I like to refer to it as Octopus Gate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so explain what happened. Basically, uh, we did a dinner at Fishmongers Hall, which is this beautiful, beautiful place right on the river. And we went to Billingsgate Market in the morning to get all the fish for it. Yeah. And my dish was an octopus dish and I've been practicing with these huge like Portuguese pre-frozen octopuses and obviously I didn't know this at the time but having like read up on it and people have told me if you've pre-frozen an octopus it it's already half tenderized so you can just put it in cook it for like an hour and a half to two hours and it's fine but I didn't specify this and I got these like obviously like beautifully fresh smaller octopuses and they (laughs) were just awful. awful and I I, I was I really stand by that dish. It's really I loved it. It was with black rice and duya, which is a spicy sausage and chocolate peppers. And I really love that yeah. dish. Yeah, well, it was just the cooking. And, and the, the octopus, octopus was just awful. And I knew it was awful. And I was I said to John Trebridge, who was running the kitchen, I was like, um, do I have to serve it? He was like, yep. I was like, oh god, oh, oh, it's awful. That's so stressful. You must have had like a rising panic in your chest. Like, yeah, there's just nothing you can do. Yeah really stressful but you handled it with a plum well we've been up since four oh no since like three in the morning because we had to go to Billingsgate and by that time it was about four in the afternoon and I was a bit late but I can't cope with this yeah that's a long day a long stressful day over the course of the competition you cooked for the show's judges John Tarode and um, Greg Wallace for giving restaurant critics and top chefs the cast and crew of the TV drama Holby City and 40 game park workers in South Africa but I wondered for you, what was the best bit? Oh, gosh. I really enjoyed doing Holby City, but then we lost the challenge, so... Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was a bit tainted. How you feel I think it. South Africa was, like, was definitely the best day. Amazing. I, I loved... It was 40 degrees when we cooked. And that was just, like, the air temperature, but then obviously you add on the barbecues. Oh, my goodness. And it, gets, it got very, very, very hot. But I really enjoyed myself. It was great working as a team. I worked with Ali 
who I now work with a lot. Yeah. Anyway, so we was in like the beginning of our yeah. partnership, and again, it's just like a once in a lifetime. Yeah, kind of thing, isn't it? it was insane. Like, it was you just like got, we got up every day and we're like, oh, here we are yeah. in South Africa, <laughs> casual doing some filming. <laughs> That's amazing. For your fourth desert island dish of the day, what is your favourite sandwich? I love pickles. Yeah. So anything with pickles on it. So a classic like salt beef with pickles. And oh. some kind of great cheese. Oh, yes. It's so bad for you. Yes, so bad, but so good. It would definitely be some sort of salt beef. Anything with pickles on it, basically. But the other one Even is... Even like a Branson pickle? Or are we talking like no, a gherkin? No, we're talking like a gherkin. Okay, yeah. This is... I feel, I feel really, like, unfaithful to my sister, who makes the most incredible... We call it Christmas sandwich. Okay. So it's like all the Christmas leftovers. Yeah. She's really good at them. Oh, she's so like, she does like... Like Monica Geller. Yeah, she says, she does like we don't really have turkey. We have we usually get cockerel, okay, or or goose actually either way. So it's usually that with stuffing and ham. So there's like three meats in it already. <laughs> already, I'm liking the yeah. sound of the sandwich <laughs> with um, with like either cranberry sauce or some kind of chutney and also pickles because we we're, we're a pickle family. Okay, <laughs> but that's another good one. But I think probably salt beef is definitely my favorite. Those are two very good options. I will allow you both of that. So something I've always wondered because I'm really nosy. But how aware are you that you're on TV and does it sort of become normal? Yeah, definitely becomes yeah. normal. You're not sort of always thinking like, oh, what's my best angle? Or... I wore a lot more makeup at the beginning <laughs> than I did at the end. <laughs> you get to a point when you're like getting up at like 5.30 to get to filming on time and being like, I'm just not going to wear it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I haven't even thought I'm about that. I'm not caring yeah, about like what you're wearing or anything anymore. <laughs> definitely I cared a lot more about that at the beginning. Yeah. I think you just, I think if you care, if, if you are aware of it, then you just won't do very well. Yeah, no, that's Because okay. you just don't have time to think Eyes of it. on the prize. Yeah. <laughs> so based on everything you've learned, I wondered if you could give us some top tips for the kitchen and what those top tips might be. Oh, just general kitchen. Yeah, just gen- like general cooking. General cooking. Okay, I would Maybe say... three top tips. Three, okay, let's go... First would be get a Maggi mix. Yeah. <laughs> or any food yes. processor. Not that I have any brand yeah. with Maggi mix. Because yeah, I, I don't. But that word's just sort of synonymous yeah. with. Yeah. Because it just saves so much time on everything. You know, if you can't afford one or you don't want to have a huge thing, you get a hand blender. You yeah. can pick them up for like 10 quid. No. It makes things we'll so much easier and quicker. And you'll, you'll cook more because you it's easier. Yeah. Uh, that'll be number one. I'm a massive advocate of a good stock. So I think that having a good stock can really transform anything that you're making, like sauces, soups, anything like that. So if you're, like, roasting a chicken, roasting anything with bones in it, any, like, meat, save the bones, always. Yeah. And then, like, pop them in a pot, boil them up with a load of vegetables, some salt, some peppercorns, and then you've got that for the rest of the week. Or or you can freeze it. You can freeze it. Some people... uh, My mum used to freeze it in ice cubes. So if you want a little bit, you could just pop them out. Also, parmesan stock. Ooh. So if you ever have parmesan rinds, I just yeah. throw them in the don't throw them out, just throw them in the freezer, and you can make a stock out of parmesan rinds, and it's really good. Ooh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, it's good. What? So with no meat, just with parmesan yeah. instead of the bones. So parmesan rinds, and then a load of I, I put like a whole head of garlic in it. Oh my goodness, that sounds amazing! I want to go and find some parmesan rinds. Right yeah, I've got some in the freezer. You can get some. <laughs> Your third tip, or is that? Oh yeah, no third tip. No, let's go to third. Uh, what will be my third tip? 
This is actually not mine. Okay, that's okay. This is, this is a, an Alison O'Reilly special. Okay. Who really transformed my life by telling me to make herb oils. Oh. So any herbs that, eat, especially if they're going a bit like, you're like, oh, I can't really reuse these anymore. Whiz them up in your new Magi Mix. Yeah. <laughs> or with your new hand blender. <laughs> with any sort of like, you don't want to use a really fancy oil, just any sort of quite neutral oil. So and, like a vegetable oil. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or sunflower oil. And then you can just keep them in the fridge, keep them in a bottle, keep them wherever. And then you've got like an instant sort of like shot yes. of flavour. And also herbs are expensive. Yeah. If you, you yeah, know... You don't want to waste them. You don't want to waste them. And, you know, they keep much better. Sometimes you'll buy a packet of basil and use like a stalk. Yeah, that's so true. And then you see, you see it like languishing in the fridge being like, oh, that was a waste. <laughs> that was a really good... Those are three really good tips. Thanks. You're welcome. So um, on to the fifth dish of the day. What is the dish you eat the most often? I probably eat soup the most of, often. Yeah. Like as a weekday thing, I think that you can... I mean, that's quite a gen- That's more of a genre. No, but that's okay. I'll, I'll allow you that. And what is your favourite sort of go-to soup? I've got loads of courgettes at the moment because my courgette plant is going insane. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Mine's out of control. Yeah, They're it's, massive. It's too big. Yeah. It's There's taking only, up my tiny garden. Uh, yeah, me too. It's like a monster, mm. but good. Yeah. So um, courgette, courgette and basil and potato soup is mm. just excellent. Any green vegetable, really. Yeah. Uh, leaky potato, any of those. Love this. Yes. They sound delicious. And do you always use your stock as the basis for the soup? Yes. Yeah. I always use chicken stock, even if it's a vegetable soup. Yeah. I just like it more. <laughs> or, or ham stocks are really excellent. Ooh. If you're making like a pea and ham soup or like more like a richer soup, yeah. ham stock is really, really excellent. Really good flavour. If you can, you know, if you happen to be cooking a ham yeah. on a weekend. <laughs> you know, people may. Yeah. You can also pick it up usually from like a decent butcher. You can yeah, look at all true. the different stocks and they, because they make them because they have all these leftover bones. So yeah. you can't, if you haven't got You any... can even go and beg some bones from the butcher. Yes, you can. They love that. Yeah. Um, So I read a little bit about your Italian grandmother and what an inspiration she must have been. But I wondered, is there someone in the world of food that you really look up to? Yeah, lots of people. Yeah. I was obsessed. I was was so excited to work with Sat Baines when I was on the show because I went to his restaurant when I was about 21, like really when I was a lot younger. And it was the first time I realised what fine dining food was. That's amazing. And it wasn't, it was just really great. And he, I think he's really creative. And I think that he's, he's a, he's a really great guy. He's, he's quite tough. Yeah. I think he's doing excellent, excellent stuff. Definitely. That's so cool that you got to meet him. I know. I was so excited. Yeah. (laughs) That's lovely. And so your sixth desert island dish of the day, what is your go-to dinner party dish? I'm a massive believer in that if you're having a dinner party, you shouldn't be in the kitchen the whole time definitely dessert wise i always nearly oh, i always, love that we're starting yeah start dessert, dessert. Yeah. i always make panna cottas and or ice cream yeah because you can just make them abandon them and then they're done yeah and you can also make them like the day before yeah. so you're not even stressing about them on the day yeah i make them a lot and what flavor panna cotta so so many options of late i've really i've really i do this thing where i sort of use i do a flavor panna cotta with an ice cream and some sort of like candied nut or like textural element like rose panna cotta with raspberry ice cream and pistachios is really good yum i do the fennel one with blackcurrant ice cream Ooh. and almonds i that do i also like that we're going like kind of double cream like the oh yeah yeah and the ice cream i like yeah. that it kind of has to be so i do what, what's the other one honey and greek yogurt one Ooh. with apricots Ooh. which you i guess you could make apricot ice cream i just haven't done that you before you could even have that for breakfast yeah you could definitely have that for breakfast. <laughs> it's basically breakfast well, that sounds amazing i mean a dinner party just of pudding sounds yeah. pretty good to me if you had to do a main course oh no maybe. <laughs> i don't 
no, I definitely do feed people main courses. I don't just, I don't no, just force them to eat sugar. <laughs> um, I mean, I know I keep harping on about rabbit, but I make a really great rabbit and tarragon lasagna, Ooh. which is really good. And also, again, very easy. Oh, well, it's, it's not actually that easy. It's got loads going on, but you can make it, leave it in the fridge and then pop it in. That sounds delicious. So for anyone who hasn't cooked with rabbit before... Would you be able to go to your butcher and get them to mince it for you? The best thing to do, actually, is go to your butcher, ask them for a farmed rabbit, in okay. this case. Yeah. I mean, you can do it with wild... The difference, the difference between wild and farmed rabbit is huge. So wild rabbit is very, very dark, very gamey, very lean, which actually isn't that useful for this kind of dish. Yeah, you, you want a bit of fat. fat. But you can do it with wild rabbit. You just have to cook it for quite a long time. Okay. So you, if you ask them for a farmed rabbit, ask them to joint it for you. So they'll cut, cut it into sort of four or something. Yeah. And then if you get it in, you want to make sort of like a ragu out of it. So you cook it in plenty of wine, shallots and garlic and a bit of celery and plenty of wine and tomatoes and cook it all down. Or cook it all. So it all goes lovely. And it and so you can pull the meat off like, you know, you know, when you've got yeah. pulled pork. So this is, it's it's not a mince yet. It's no. just, okay. Yeah. So we so well, I don't use it as a mince at all. So you, oh, okay. you do that and then you sort of have to get involved hands-wise. Yeah. And just pull all the meat off okay, the bones. So you're shredding it. Yeah, get rid of all the bones and then it, you've got a delightful sauce. Oof, that sounds amazing. And you can also just put that with pasta. Yeah. As it is, or polenta or whatever. That sounds really good. I feel like people are scared of jointing meat and things like that and I think it's just learning that you can just go to the butcher yeah, and ask course. them to help you with things that you can't do yeah but just know a lot yeah but just if you anything like that I mean I'm biased because I'm engaged to a butcher yeah <laughs> but but they really do a good butcher will be able to tell you so much about meat they know so much about it they, they're the yeah. best people to ask how to cook it they're the best people to say oh, I want to cook this kind of thing for this many people what do you think I should have definitely and they they know they know that you know and also telling them what you're planning on doing, because sometimes they'll be like, oh, um, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe don't do that. <laughs> yeah, and you know how much time you have in your hands. If, you, if, if you're like, I want to put this in and, and, and leave it, they'll be like, okay, I'll, I'll give you this. Or yeah. if you want to get a bit more involved, they'll, they'll give you, you know, they're, they're really knowledgeable. Yeah, definitely. Don't be scared of the butcher. Don't. <laughs> they're very friendly. Um, well, yeah, <laughs> sometimes. Mainly they are. So you teamed up with two other fellow finalists to form an event and supper club company, which is so cool. I love that. Can you tell us a bit about it? We formed a company called Three Girls Cook. Yeah. We went through a surprising amount of names before we got yeah, to Three Girls Cook. Yeah, it's a name. I, um, I was so surprised it was still like, available because you, yeah. like, you have to go, is it taken on Instagram? Is it taken on Twitter? Can I get them? Like, it was all yeah, I'm notices. surprised that wasn't taken actually. Yeah. Well, it is now. Yeah. <laughs> Bad luck anyone listening. <laughs> so we're having a, a lovely time. Again, trying to balance work and cooking, which yeah, it's very difficult. Really difficult. Um, we just literally this weekend run a three-day supper club at the Bluebird. Amazing. In Chelsea, which was really fun. Before that, we'd done another one at Good and Right in Notting Hill. Oh, we've got amazing cases. This is so cool. Yeah, we've also got one at the end of next month, so on the 29th of September, which I think is actually sold out, but we're trying to, we might be adding another day. Well, and how many people are you cooking for each night? So we usually do about 50 covers. That's so cool. Yeah, it's a good number. It's, it's manageable enough. And it sort of still feels small enough, yeah. but still has a really great buzz about it. Yeah, definitely. That's amazing. 
And is the fact that you guys are MasterChef finalists, is that a big draw that is pulling people in? Or how are you sort of spreading the word? Yeah, I think so. I think I'm, I'm, I have under no illusions that that is a huge marketing well, no, tool. No, but it's, it's amazing. It's such um, a great opportunity. We basically use Instagram. That's okay, pretty that's much interesting. it. We rely a bit on the, whichever venue we're using, but Instagram is such a huge marketing tool, especially for food businesses, because yeah. food bitches on Instagram are, are huge and people really want to look at them. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's like sort of living vicariously through yeah. a picture. <laughs> It's just such a good idea. It's so cool that you're doing that. Would the next step maybe be thinking about your own restaurant or? I'm not sure that we're, well, I don't know, I've got no idea. We need to see how it goes. Yeah. We love working together. I'm not sure that the three of us are definitely not now in a position to sort of think about opening a restaurant, but we're definitely looking into doing lots of different things. We're, we've got, uh, we're doing some private dining things so people, you know, can hire us if they wish, wish to, yes. for us to cook, come and cook for them. So our one in September is with William Sitwell. He's oh one God, of amazing. the MasterChef critics. Yeah. At his family house. Wow, that's so in cool. In Western, which is really fun. That's so he's cool. hosting. That's we're so just cool. cooking. I mean, that says, that says a lot about what he thinks about you. I think that's amazing. Yeah, it was really, it, it was really fun. And he was, he was really keen because, He's trying to like publicize all these events, and you obviously thought that you know, yeah, bring people in. So, yeah, we've got loads plenty going on, and yeah, we're in a really fortunate position that people, you know, are approaching us and saying, Do you want to do this? Yeah, we have to say yes, or we don't have time. Yeah. That's usually the answer. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a good position to be in, isn't it? And um, that's amazing. How exciting! So, your seventh and final desert island dish of the day is the last dish that you would eat before being cast off to the desert island. Well, like, think about this rationally. Yeah. So on a desert island, there's, like, there is fish. Yeah, yeah. So I think you, you get rid of fish, because okay. you're like, yeah. that's a possibility. Are you a good fisher? I've, I could give it a good go. Yeah. And you, you will learn. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I, think, so yeah. I think if you're starving, you sort of, yeah. you, you, you get there. Needs must. Um, no, I think that I would definitely have some sort of pasta. I think I'd definitely go for some really thick pappardelle, like, fresh pasta with a really rich, like, beef ragu. And loads of parmesan. Oh, yes, that sounds amazing. And um, would you have a pudding? Yes. What would it be? Apple crumble, apple oh. and blackberry crumble. Yes. I really, I, I'm so proud of this. <laughs> Just going on. I did apple crumble as one of. So we had to do a take on a classic dish. Yeah. And I did apple crumble, and I literally spent so long working out the perfect crumble ratio. And have you discovered it? Yeah, I feel like I have discovered it. Oh my goodness, amazing. Are you an ice cream or a custard girl? I definitely like ice cream with crumble. Yeah. I like the hot and cold. Yeah, the hot and cold. It's good. And, well, yeah, that sounds amazing. I will definitely allow you that as your final dish. And I wondered, what would your one luxury item be that you can take with you? (laughs) Can I take my piano? Yeah. (laughs) Yes, there's no weight limit. <laughs> that would be my lecture item. I think it would keep me so entertained. Yeah, I think that's a really good one. And also, I don't want to lose my like, motor skills. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great one. I could write a whole like opera yes. while I was there. Well, yeah. Why not? Don't waste the time. Hopefully, like, the sea erosion wouldn't ruin it. But... No, I think, no, I think you'll be fine. Okay. And with that, we shall cast you off to the desert island. Thank you, Giovanna, for letting us hear your desert island dishes. Thank you. Thanks. So, that was another episode of Desert Island Dishes. I don't know about you, but I am definitely going to be trying out a Parmesan stock very soon. And I can't stop thinking about that honey and Greek yogurt panna cotta with apricots. It sounds so good. Also, I can't stop thinking about that Christmas sandwich and the episode from Friends. It's one of my favourites. 
where Ross just loses it when someone steals his sandwich. I can totally relate. Anyway, that's us done for another week. Thank you so much for listening. As always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and tell all your friends. (laughs) Bye for now.